Hey everyone, thanks for joining. This is the episode on evolving consumer identities, part of the Practical Futures podcast. Very excited to be here and welcome our featured speakers, Biade and Shivani. Biade is a client partner in Facto. She's based out of Germany. She's been working with consumer goods since almost forever now. Uh, she's worked with almost every brand on the planet. We welcome her industry expertise on this call to share tidbits on how consumers have evolved. And Shivani Gupta has been a behavioral research scientist, behavioral lead architect, as we call her, in Facto. She's worked with uh, a lot of industries uh, globally to make uh, behavioral science real and to impact business uh, decisions. In IR, world of human-centered design. She's uh, marrying uh, AI engineering and design to solve problems, business problems at scale. Hi, Biara. Hi, Sagar. Biara, we've chatted about this uh, earlier. I wanted to understand what is the one amazing consumer story that you can relate to with the consumer of today? I think the most memorable is the PNG Moms Olympic campaign um, because it, it touched everybody. Um, effectively. I mean, who isn't a mom or isn't a child? So you had these dimensions and showed the <laughs> the deep dimensions of being a mom and how to carry your child through all the obstacles it may, might face to become an amazing human being and obviously an amazing athlete as well. But I also thought it's not just a, you know, a very connecting story, but how it was launched during the Olympics, where you have millions and millions of viewers, it was a shared emotion with so many people. Then follow this with a hashtag, thank you, mom. So you're not only touched as one person, but the whole globe is touched together with you. And I think delivering a campaign like this is something absolutely outstanding. Fantastic. Over to you, Shivani. I wanted to ask you, how do you think the consumers have shifted? I think one of the things that was most interesting about the study that we just did was that most consumer brands have recognized that, you know, consumers behave differently on different channels. The way they act online and offline is quite different. And so even though they try to deliver a cohesive brand, they do have unique campaigns and strategies for these different channels. I think the shift that we're seeing is that it's not just channels that make people differ in behavior, but also that people are changing their own behaviors based on category to category and moment to moment. This, of course, poses a new kind of data challenge because it means that we're not just trying to understand consumers as one person, but as all these different fragmented identities or what we're calling the compartmentalized consumer. I think what's also interesting is that consumers are no longer trying to be consistent uh, with their own behavior. You know, one of the easy examples probably with COVID that comes to mind for most of us is the difference between people's relationship to meals and meal times versus snacking. I think for mealtimes, people have a tendency to go for quick health has become, you know, more of a space we've seen emerging. But at the same time, for snacking, people are looking for something more indulgent, more involved, both in the creation and in the consumption, right? Um, the Dalgona coffee movement we saw on Instagram or even, you know, baked feta that we're seeing. There's so many of them that come to mind. A related aspect of it, I think, is that when it comes to ethics and morality and Conscious consumerism, I think uh, we've noticed this behavior called uh, self-credentials or moral credential effect, which means that because people are behaving more conscious in one area, they are okay to become a little more, you know, indulgent in others or become a little less good 
uh, so to speak, which means that if you are, say, very conscious for cosmetics, maybe if you soon purchase clothing after that, you're okay to let go of the sustainability lens. And that, again, is a very interesting space for brands to design for because now they know that people are not one person across contexts. Awesome. That was fascinating to hear. I'm going to switch back to Biari now. From an industry expertise perspective, right, uh, how can companies think of experiments or innovations or investments to make to prepare themselves, you know, for the future? I think that there are several kinds of investment. I think one we already spoke about, you need to invest into creativity. Um, without creativity, you're going nowhere. There's also no authenticity. That, there's nothing. So you really need to invest into this. Um, whatever is required, you need to get the best people around you to do that. You need to invest into AI and uh, technology and exploit all the possibilities which come with it. What we have mentioned, you automate processes, you use technology for consumer engagement as such. And I think one thing, though, to say is do not look for the perfect solution. So when you invest into technology, there are always different solutions, but there's never the perfect one for you. Be brave. Um, if it doesn't work, so be it. It doesn't work. Move on to the next one because the solution, solutioning and answers and technology will never come to an end. So what is working for me today might not work tomorrow. So be brave. Ditch it if it doesn't work. If there's something better, use it. Don't be afraid of this. I think one very good example we have currently happening and becomes almost like a little of a buzz is talking about data clean rooms and ID solutions. That's a very, very good example. There's not one industry solution at the moment, but there are several. Now, I can sit and wait until there is the finite solution available and then start experimenting in the space. But by then, others have already experimented. So I will be behind. I need to go for one solution, try it if it works for me. If it doesn't, go with something else. But if you don't try, you will be always in the back of the queue. Your competitors will have that competitive advantage over you. And I also think trying out new technologies even if they don't work, but they might give you an opportunity to become an industry leader. If you don't take the risk, it's never going to happen. But if you are not risk averse, you might actually lead from, from the front rather than from the back. And then another thing which comes with it when we talk data and how data enables us to engage with consumers, to understand consumers. There's a real question to be asked, what is the value of each of the data points? I can collect everything. That's hugely expensive as well. But the question always needs to, needs to be at the beginning and saying, what does that data point actually enable me to do, which is different to not having that data point? And the other point about this question about the value of data as such is when we talk about data clean rooms, what we talk about is that we are going to merge my, our own data with other people's data. So the question is not only what is the value for me, but what is also the value for the other company, the, the, be it the publisher, be it the retailer, I want to share my data with. So this is the first thing with an investments as such where you, you know, it's touchable, it's physical investments if you like, where I need to do this. When we talk um, about experiments, experiment in, in new channels, um, experiment of nuances of your brand story. But do not make it dependent on that you can measure the effect. Be brave in this as well, because you might not be. 
maybe there is no way of understanding how valuable metaverse for you is. But everybody starts experimenting. You should do, do it too effectively. Um, and if you have a convincing brand story, it is also much, much easier to do this. Don't wait. Try. Go for it. Might not work for you. Might not work for your brand. But you need to get the, the feel for the possibilities. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. I have one last question for both of you. Biare, what's your big idea for the future as a consumer? What would you like to happen? I would like to see inspirational and authentic brands. And when I touch points with them, um, that I can lift these brands with them and through them. I don't want to be told as a consumer what they stand for. I want to feel and experience this. I expect them also, because I know about technology, I expect them to understand my state of mind too. Uh, my personal preferences, that they know who I am and that they make it very, very easy for me to connect and engage. And when I say that I expect companies to understand my uh, state of mind, what I mean is that they need to understand if I'm in a shopping mood or in a, I don't know, just entertainment mood. Do I look for inspiration? Um, do I want to connect? That I expect brands to deliver in the future. And I don't mind to be asked but not continuously. But once I'm asked, I also expect that that experience is as easy as possible. So what I mean by that is I want to have an uninterrupted journey with a brand. I want to experience each channel and go through these channels without any obstacles. I don't want to enter a web page and that web page tells me, oh, you should also download our app. Okay, um, where do I find that app? You need to scroll through the web page to find it. Or even worse, you need to leave it and then search for it to get it. That's not how I think the future is going to look like, nor do I want this. I want to have the smooth, very easy access to brands. And when I connect with brands, they touch me emotionally. I do not want to get bombarded with vouchers and chatbots all over the place. I, I want to have the, the smooth transaction. Um, which is much more emotional than um, targeted at me buying something. I don't have, and I think most of the consumers, we, we, we don't have a problem to share information about that. But there needs to be a payback. When we talk about value exchange between a consumer, me, and the brand, I don't think vouchers. And this, I think, is still one of the um, top value exchanges that are happening. I give you 25% off. Um, I feel that there's more. I want to, um, that brands help me and um, help me to create my lifestyle, support me in my lifestyle rather than being, and it, and I think that the longer we go on, the more aggressively it comes across if a brand is in a selling mood rather than in an engaging mood. It, it comes across, it comes across in everything um, you do. You see, you only do this because you want to sell me something. Um, an aspirational brand as a brand that delivers lifestyle that if I use the brand, um, I get recognition from others. I connect with others. It's a community effectively. So this is what I expect from a consumer. I expect companies to use what every day, everything they have via technology, but then also deliver on it. So do not collect information about me, but then do not deliver. But that I find is the worst. So this is when I'm, as a consumer, this is what I want for the future, for the next three years. Just, <laughs> just use AI, ask me, fair enough, but please make it smooth, make it 
easy. Don't confuse me. Also, please do not confuse me with different messages. You just told me this and now you tell me something else, depending on where I am. Understand understand the consumer as we were talking about it before with the um, tools you have on your hand. The respect, I think, consume, you know, me as a consumer as well as other consumers are going to ask for brands will increase quite dramatically. And that can only come through this, this smooth connection and engagement at every single point and lead me through how I can connect with you. Great, great. Great to hear. I think there should be a North Star. Shivani, one last question to you. What do you think is the blind spot for consumer brands today? I think one of the big blind spots for, for a lot of brands is that they only look at competition directly or they look at um, DTC or the smaller brands and just look at it as one-to-one, -one, right? If they're a snacking brand, then they look at snacking brands. If they're a face cream, they look at face cream, right? Uh, when I think that's not how consumers treat uh, shopping experiences anymore, Right. So I think one of the blind spots is that competition is going to come more and more from out of category competitors. We're seeing this happen. Uh, you know, one of the key examples for me, the aisles that were usually, you know, women's health or wellness uh, kind of aisles. Right. Normally your competition for a sanitary napkin was other sanitary napkin brands or maybe extended at least to a tampon brand or some other, um, you know, wellness product over there. But now we have something called period underwear, right? And that's a product innovation that was unexpected, I'm sure, for a lot of people. And that is going to disrupt this aisle, right? It's, it's completely out of aisle. Most of these are clothing companies, right? You have a Uniqlo, you have, um, you know, dedicated um, loungewear and nightwear and sleepwear brands that are making these products and they are going to disrupt the PNGs of the world, if they don't recognize that uh, women's wellness products can be disrupted by a retail apparel brand. Um, so I think that is is definitely exciting. It's also happening at a smaller level, uh, like we spoke about earlier with, you know, meat replacement products, right? It's not just that vegetarian or vegan people are opting for these, but people who do consume uh, seafood, meat, um, you know, literally everything under the sun, like myself. Uh, I'm still excited to try an oat milk or a pea milk or a, you know, notco that we saw uh, during the research because they they do trigger that sense of um, exploration and excitement in a way that maybe traditional brands have not. I think that is definitely one blind spot. The other is, you know, touching a little bit. We've spoken a lot about consumers' identities, but maybe even looking at employees and, um, you know, within the organization, right? Are people able to embed inclusivity or is it just something that comes as an afterthought um, you know as oh we need diversity in this room or we need diversity in this ad so how do we reactively induce it versus looking at policies looking at campaigns and looking at everything from the language that is picked to the colors that are picked the people that are picked who's in the room when it's designed to who's in the room when it's consumed i think there's a lot of opportunity to look at inclusivity not as a problem but as something that can really benefit the brand across the value chain i think those are the two big ones we can of course talk for hours i'm sure but i'll probably end there Sure, sure. That reminded me of the explore and exploit concept. Brands have exploited a lot over the last hundred years or so, right? And now they need to explore uh, to really find the unknowns. Uh, it's a lot of, uh, it's a jungle out there. We don't know what we don't know. So uh, that's a great conversation. Thank you so much, both of you. 
in this episode, we heard from Shivani and Viare on various emerging themes from consumer standpoint and how consumer needs are evolving, especially from consumer angles. They want more authenticity. They want innovation. They don't know what they need. So we as companies and you know advisors, we need to figure out what consumers need and provide the best offerings to them in the superlative experience that they deserve in the right channel that they are in and, you know, in the need state that they are. We also learned that companies need to be much more open to exploration and experimentation rather than in the exploitation mode that they're in, where they have leveraged their 100 plus years of playbooks, which, you know, they have frankly been very successful with. But because of this new volatility and evolving consumer landscape, there must be new ways to make consumers happier, healthier, and being basically more relevant to them in today's environment. To provide more insights, we have Juhi Dang, the CEO of Mojo, a real alternative to dairy milk. She has been an innovator and an MBA and look forward to speaking to you. Hey, Juhi, thanks for doing this. I wanted to ask you a few opinions on consumer identities, if that's okay. What is your top insight about consumer behavior and how it's shifting? Thanks, Agar, for having me. And, you know, I'll give my two cents on this amazing podcast and all the work that you're doing regarding consumer behavior. And I'd love to, it'll be great to see uh, what you guys have compiled. So, you know, going back on consumer, in top insights about consumer behavior, I think my personal experience is that consumers today demand uh, genuine honesty and total transparency for brands in and in all aspects, right? I mean, it's not just what brands sell or offer. It's also what they say and do. And that's becoming very core to how brands uh, reinvent themselves today. Consumers are more informed uh, and aware than they've ever been. They know exactly what they want. And it's almost suicidal, if you ask me, for brands to not be totally transparent. It's a critical step before you can even start a dialogue with your consumers. For example, you know, a lot of uh, traditional tactics that brands have employed in the past to mask information that may not be good for them, for example, illegible language of fonts on consumer goods, hidden information or, you know, on websites, or sometimes bombarding with too much information to confuse the consumer and so on and so forth. These won't get brands anywhere with today's consumer, is, is my strong opinion. And you can already see that shift happening in the way brands are responding. Uh, there's transparency happening around ingredients, whether it's cosmetics or food. You know, they are they are boldly listed at the front of the pack um, versus at the back of the pack that used to be a trend a few years ago. Transparency around pricing, especially in services like healthcare and financial services, is becoming extremely, extremely front and center. Transparency around how People run their businesses, you know, business operations, for example, in apparel and luxury where you see a lot of, you know, brands uh, talking a lot about ethical practices and so on and so forth. So that's becoming really important, like I said, in all aspects of a brand's work. And uh, brands are being compelled to make these changes because consumers demand more clarity because they want to make informed choices. This is even um, reflected in their communication strategy. Consumers rely and trust what other people are saying about you versus what your ads are saying about you, right? And so they will trust reviews. They will trust, you know, what other influencers are saying and so on and so forth. And you see this radical shift where even um, the ad campaigns that brands are running today 
everyday consumers are becoming part of that. Uh, employees are taking center stage and becoming, uh, you know, brand ambassadors uh, versus studio shots and models and scripts. So, yeah, I think, you know, I can't stress enough how much transparency and honesty is, is becoming front and center. And that's a shift that's def definitely happening in a big way. Great thoughts. Thanks for sharing, Joey. Definitely resonate with the transparency bit. Uh, what's the relationship between identity and consumer behavior? Right. So individuals are highly social animals, right? And they belong to many social groups. Uh, and each group has a distinct identity. For example, you could identify as a Hindu or a Christian or a Buddhist. Or you could identify as American, Indian, as an entrepreneur, artist, scientist, right? So these are different groups. And every group has its own distinct character and consumers don't identify with all groups at the same time of course so you know if you're if you're a wine connoisseur you won't identify as that when you're in a church or if you know if you're shopping for groceries and you won't identify as a catholic so you know sometimes that nuance is lost when brands are looking at social identities social identities do impact behaviors and decisions however Shifts in social context can dramatically change what group we identify with. And one of the classic examples um, that comes to mind is uh, Electrolux. Uh, and they, um, many years ago, based on customer feedback, they wanted to offer these uh, washing machines that were free for customers to sort of install in their homes, but they would use technology to, to sort of charge them per wash, right? And it was a great idea because customers were very welcoming of it. They said, okay, there's no upfront cost. Uh, it use less energy. I could just pay as for use. So I'm not paying for that machine to be lying in my home. It'll be repaired free of cost, et cetera, et cetera. And so they were very, very happy. And that's what they indicated in there in, when they were asked these questions. And this would be the future of laundry. And But when, when Electrolux ran this trial, I think in, in one of those Nordic countries, I believe it was Sweden or, or Finland, I'm not sure, there was simply no demand for this, right? And and the project was, it was considered a failure, it was shelved. And one might wonder why that happened, right? And then I go back to the to the idea of social identities that I was talking earlier when consumers are answering questions as part of a customer study, right, they they sort of are in this zone of a market research respondent identity, where they're trying to judge the idea on its merits, very dispassionately, objectively, with an open mind. And that's the answer that they're giving. But out in the real world, um, their social identity of these set of consumers was of a middle class consumer in the Nordics, right? And middle-class consumers don't rent equipment. They buy equipment. Um, and so the idea of paying per wash was almost uh, similar to going to a laundromat in your area and putting a coin in the laundry machine and then you're doing your laundry, which is a very lower-income group behavior. And so these people just rejected you know, the offering when it actually came to a decision point, right? Because it it conflicted with their social identity of being a middle class or a higher upper middle class uh, society uh, in that region, right? So what I'm trying to explain with this is that social identity is not one thing. Every individual has multiple identities and context can change social identities. And, you know, this also goes on to show how biased sometimes uh questionnaires and surveys can be 
and how one must tread carefully what we hear from people versus what they will end up actually doing when proposed with a decision to make. That was a great example, Julia. Now let's move towards uh, our favorite question. How might companies better discover and connect with consumers of tomorrow? Because that's the main focus of, you know, everybody's looking to some insights on how do these large, behemoth, successful companies, you know, connect with these new consumers. You know, Sagar, this conversation reminds me of, uh, you know, all the flights that I've taken with Singapore Airlines, which I'm very loyal to. And you'll see why. Now I'm, I've put on my consumer hat and I'm talking about like my favorite brand, right? Um, and I continue to like take their flights anywhere I go, wherever possible. Um, and that's because, you know, every time I'm, I'm at the airport, you know, at the boarding gate, the flight steward addresses me by my name with a pleasant smile genuinely you know heartwarmingly welcomes you back again makes a light-hearted joke which is specific to you and then you know before you can even ask for it knows about your food allergies food preferences think of that small moment right you may have experienced this hundreds of times think of that think of that small moment of engagement and the sheer joy it brings you because the reason for that is that that small moment makes you feel special in that moment you are no longer a segment for the brand. You know, you no longer belong to the segment. You are an individual who is important and special. And the brand personally cares about you. Now, in this case, of course, you know, it's, it's an individual making an effort, a motivated steward making an effort. But imagine making each of your customers feel special like that, not as a segment, as an individual. And today, with the amounts of data we have about customers, not only stated, but even unstated preferences and behaviors online, layered with automation tools for outreach and engagement, I think it's a gold mine. Uh, I, I need to, it's just waiting to be exploited. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think most companies are now starting to, you know, really get inspired and start looking for these uh, insights, how they can really make a difference because this is the future. So thank you so much, Juhi, for doing this and loved your insights, loved sharing the questions with you. And we will definitely share the updated report, the podcast, you know, all the insights that we get as well. And we look forward to partnership uh, with you as well on this journey because this is going to continuously evolve and we are continually conducting more and more researches in the futures area. This is the Fractal Futures podcast and this episode was Evolving Consumer Identities. 